Well, friends, you are listening to Radio Pulpit and Radio Cape Pulpit with me, Mark Penrith, your host. Uh, This morning, I am not joined by Tepo Pitzel. If you are watching the live stream online, you will see you have uh, um, a good friend of mine uh, next to me. I will introduce Quinton a little bit later. Uh, My name is Mark Penrith, though. I am from Crystal Park Baptist Church in Benoni, where I serve the local church by taking care of the souls of men and changing the light bulbs as and when necessary. Shout out to everyone on the east side of Johannesburg who's listening in. But I do recognize we've got people listening in from, I mean, literally all over the country. Um, I, I know that folk must be wrapping up in Winter Woolies right now down in Cape Town. There is a massive cold front hitting the Western Cape. I heard on the news or on a weather report that they're looking at like 10 centimeters of snow. I wish I was down there with my kids. I want to build a snowman. (laughs) But maybe if you're down in the Western Cape, you don't feel quite the same. It must be kind of chilly. While I was riding into studio this morning, it rained a little bit, uh, which is kind of exciting this time of year because it might mean that we're heading towards spring and uh, the idea of green grass and... uh, do we get cosmos at the beginning of spring? I never know when the cosmos comes out. But I do know that we start getting flowers round about now. And that's uh, always terribly exciting. Folk, you are listening to Table Talk. Uh, Table Talk is your opportunity to join the conversation. This morning, we are going to be speaking about um, orphanology. We are going to be speaking about a day set aside in November um, where we really highlight and speak about the care of orphans uh, in the context of local churches. That's where the day happens. Uh, it'll be a Sunday. I'm going to be speaking about Quinton, who is the standard bearer, the banner waver um, for the day. Uh, and we're going to be talking about how churches can gear up between now and November uh, in terms of that. And I do want to invite you to join the conversation. Uh, if you've got questions, if you've got um, comments, if you've got observations or even stories that you would like to engage with us, then then do engage. Send your questions and your comments through that you have on mind. Uh, and how might you do that, you might ask. Well, you can do that on WhatsApp and Telegram. Uh, here's the number that you can write down or type into your phone quickly. Uh, it is 082 Six five seven two seven two nine. Love voice notes. Get those voice notes rolling in. Uh, you can also engage with us on Facebook. We are on the Facebook page, uh, Radio Pulpit Radio Console. And you can just type into the comments. I get to see that live in studio um, as you are making them. And so thank you for those. You can comment there. Um, you can also engage with us on Twitter. The handle is at 657AM. Um, and this morning we are in studio. We have behind uh, the the dashboard, the lights, making sure that everything stays on. Uh, Mpo making sure that uh, we fly in a straight line, which means you can di- you can phone in. We can speak to you live on air. The studio line is zero one two three three four one three two two. We are looking forward to engaging with you. Actually. Even right now, why don't you just drop a hello um, on whatever platform you're using so that we know that you are with us um, and we know who we are speaking to this morning. 
folk um, at this stage we are going to be speaking to our friend um, and a familiar um, part of the show Michael Swain uh, Michael is not with us yet um, okay um, well in that case we are going to shift gears and begin the conversation regarding uh, regarding orphan care so Quentin I, I you know I can introduce you uh, in terms of the ways that I know you um I, I know you as a friend you graduate from a theological college uh, that I've been very familiar with uh, Christ Seminary in Polokwane yes, yes. um in fact a uh, uh, associate pastor at Crystal Park Baptist Church back in the day Gideon Mpenny yes. uh, was a graduate from Christ yeah. Seminary and Great then time. And then through our church, we've also uh, engaged and interacted and sponsored Menzi Mohale a few years ago, mm-hmm. and most recently had involvement with Claudie Deary uh, at Christ mm-hmm. Seminary. And so I, I know a lot of guys from Christ Seminary. I think I might have met you first in that kind of crowd, but I also know you because you are a member and an elder at yeah. uh, Central Baptist Church here in Pretoria, which is what just down the road. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Acadia is just down the road, and you have the Hill Campus, which is you know down the down the road over the highway uh, and Sorry, across east. a field. <laughs> yeah, Pretoria East. Um, and so I've I've had a a long relationship with uh, with the Central Baptist Church in Pretoria over the years. And then you and I have also engaged because previously you were very involved in uh, sports chaplaincy yes. uh, in South Africa and uh, you were instrumental in bringing a couple of really key soccer players uh, to Crystal Park over the years who engaged with our youth. And so yeah, you and I have interacted over the years in, in many ways. Um, but now I've I've left out your 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 latest role uh, in terms of engagement with Bethesda as well as engagement with orphan care generally, yeah. uh, and so yeah maybe maybe you want to fill in the fill in the gaps and and fill in what I might have left out. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to come share this morning. Um, yeah, I actually met you. Um, I think at a at a at a youth camp, a Baptist Union youth camp. Uh, you were you were the preacher there. Um, wow. That's where I met you that and your was wife. A long 20, time yeah, ago, 20, 2011 or 2012. Yes, I remember um, that. Yeah, you know, I still remember the passages you preached on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just met you and your wife there, and your kids were still young. Um, and and yeah, then just met each other, you know, through the seminary and um, in church life and conferences and stuff. So. Um, but yeah, I, I, as as you mentioned, Mark, um, I, I was involved in sports chaplaincy. I'm still in little a little bit involved in 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 caring for for sports people, so still involved with that. But um, recently moved into uh, a role at um, at Bethesda Outreach Ministries in Hamans Kral. Um It's an orphan care ministry, and so um, my my main role at at Bethesda is to to really assist local churches and to to come alongside and encourage local churches and and basically offer training to to churches in in how they can better care for orphans where mm. where God has placed them in their community so um and, and then also to get them involved in uh, at Bethesda and and other orphan care ministries so so that's basically my role at Bethesda. Well, m- yeah. maybe just flesh Bethesda out a, a little bit for me. Uh, I mean, just yeah. d- d- describe the work. It's it's been around for many years. I, I yeah. used to engage uh, with Andrew Dodd, yes. uh, who was yeah. there before you. Um, but just describe Bethesda. Describe the the ministry, the scope of the ministry. Um, yeah. yeah. So so Bethesda's actually been around for twenty years. Um, 
So um, it's actually the same same number of years that we uh, celebrating Orphan Sunday. But um, so Bethesda has been around for 20 years. Uh, we've got we've got we've got six homes on the property at Bethesda um, uh, in Hammanskroll, and we we so so basically we we place a family in a in a home and uh, a family that loves the Lord, husband and wife, uh, with their own kids in a in a home, and then we place children with them. So um, then then the kids grow up in a in a loving family. They get to see uh, godly families being modeled to them. They get taught the word, and so they grow up in a in a family context. Mm. Um, so at the moment we've got we've got uh, there's six homes there, but we've got five homes that are filled um, with children and and families. And then we've got um, we're looking to start a, a baby home on the property as well. And then we've got a school on the property. Yes. Uh, we saw the need to um, to obviously um, you know for, for our children to go to a, a Christian school where yes. they can get good biblical t- teaching. And uh, so we started a school, and there's 260, uh, over 260 children um, in the school at the moment. It's called Jabalani Christian Academy. So uh, that's a little bit of, yeah, Bethesda. So we're gonna we're gonna come back to this conversation. We're gonna come back to the the discussion around Bethesda. We're gonna um, come back to the discussion around orphan care, Um, and we will do that after we speak to Michael. Michael got all dressed up for the conversation today i i mean i i I gotta be honest brother you clean up so well Uh, and i realize that we are on radio um but uh that's a problem (laughs) but but i get to i get to see you because you you zoomed in and uh and and those that are, are on the stream on facebook will get to see you as well um you clean up good michael it's good to see you brother I just thought I'd better raise the dress code for the show, Mark. There, there you go. I mean, you're putting me to shame. Uh, yeah, I, I need to. I need to up my standard. <laughs> Michael, let it's me. It's Friday. Just, it's, it's casual Friday. It's casual this is me at my Friday. Most casual. <laughs> well, let, let me introduce you, Michael. Uh, Michael Swain is very familiar to the listeners of uh, Radio Pulpit and particularly to this show on Table Talk. Uh, he is the executive director for Freedom of Religion South Africa, um, known as 4SA and 4SA really works in the field of religious freedom protecting our constitutional and legal rights to our religious freedom and today we are going to speak about a rather contentious subject and we're going to speak about mandatory vaccine plans and the consequences that that might have for employees and you know, Michael, this is so relevant to me. This morning I woke up and my eight-year-old son, Thomas, thrust a uh, piece of paper in my my face and said, Dad, you need to tick all the boxes and sign at the bottom. And it was a consent form um, for various different medical practices uh, that the school engage on. And maybe just for the record, let me say I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I am pro-medicine. My sister is a senior pharmacist down in the Eastern Cape, um, and she lectures uh, pharmacology. Uh, a really smart lady. I'm quite proud of her, actually. Um, I, I, I certainly am in favor of good science, well applied. But I'm also in favor of knowing what I'm putting in my own body, and I'm definitely in favor of knowing what my son is putting in his body. Um, and so as I went through um, the various different questions, there were some that were no-brainers uh, related to deworming and various different other things. And there were some that gave me pause for thought. I'm not going to say which side of the 
the, the box I ticked. Um, but there were some that sounded like blanket consent forms uh, regarding vaccines. And obviously, this is the conversation of the day. Um, I certainly am in favor of primary health care and the government doing all they can to protect the citizenry. Um, but there does seem to be some concern <laughs> regarding folk that are in workplaces in particularly and uh, the possibility of mandatory um, requirements for vaccines. And obviously that's the conversation that we're looking at. So, Michael, are, are employees right now allowed or uh, allowed to decide and make it compulsory for their employees to be vaccinated? Well, the short answer to that uh, is yes. However, uh, it is very important that employers who want to pursue that type of a policy take into account the directives of the Department of Labor mm. because they came out on the 28th of... Uh, do apologize. Can you believe? Phones. Why did I not turn my phone off? I'm trying not to judge you right now. <laughs> uh, and normally, you know, when you're in polite conversation with someone, you say, if it's important, please take it, brother. But, <laughs> but right now, maybe <laughs> not. Not on this instance. Okay, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> We're only human. This is the problem. Um, <laughs> perfection comes later. So, um, so we, we're, talking about, we're talking about the relationship yeah. between employees and employers. We're talking about can employee, employers demand vaccine compliance? Um, you said that the short answer was yes, but then you also spoke about the Department um, of Health and Safety, I think it was, uh, issuing yes. certain... Yeah, well, the Department of Labor. Department and, and, of Labor, and, and that, yeah. And that is really where the answer gets a bit long, because they came out with a directive on the 28th of May, uh, basically to say that employers who want to do so um, may compile a plan for the compulsory vaccination of their employees. Mm. Um, however there are a number of things that employers must take into account and that obviously <laughs> must take into account primarily the fact that some of their employees do not want to be vaccinated or cannot be vaccinated on medical grounds and sure. you know, particularly i think it's important to say this that you know, even though we have a, a state of national disaster even though we live in very unusual times the fact of the matter is, yeah. is that our constitutional rights are still absolutely foundational just because something terrible happens just because even there may be a high level of fear does not mean that our constitutional rights can somehow be just abrogated uh, without the most careful consideration and so what it basically says was that you know we do have uh, the basis of a constitutional right to physical and mental integrity mm. we have uh, the basis of our right to freedom of conscience, religion, thought, belief, and opinion. And there are some people who on those basis, and you mentioned, you know, you want to be careful. You don't want just anything put into your body. Um, you have the right, uh, and even from a spiritual point of view, you have the right to say, no, I don't want that. And that must be taken into account. Mm. I, I, I mean, I, you know, as you're talking, I, I'm just thinking of my own family. I, I have folk that are um, that have very compromised immune systems, uh, even in my even in my own family. And for them to uh, take a certain medication puts them in in grave danger. Um, they, 
you know they they have medical reasons um to say no which you which you highlighted now and so i i guess the following question would become how should employers consider these employees who either do not want to be vaccinated or who just simply can't be vaccinated well, I think the first thing is that they should make this clear by having some form of a guideline uh, that employees who do not want to be vaccinated um, can actually use to explain the reasons why they don't want to. And they recommend a guideline which deals with the fairness of a compulsory vaccination plan or policy. And obviously, one of the things that it explicitly states is the important principle of the mutual respect between an employer and an employee. In other words, this isn't just a sort of a mandatory, arbitrary thing that employees can force upon their own, uh, their, their employers can force upon their employees. And, you know, the guidelines require that the employer specifically notify the employee of their right to refuse to be vaccinated on medical and or constitutional grounds. And that should they still want to proceed with a let's say, a policy of vaccination within the company or the business, that they should try to protect those employees who, as in your instance uh, of your family, for example, cannot uh, for health or other reasons or, or will not for reasons of faith or whatever that may be, be vaccinated and also accommodate them fairly. There, there is a, a principle in the Constitution when rights start to clash, mm. the principle is one of reasonable accommodation. In other words, how could we kind of meet one another? And obviously, when it comes to abrogating somebody's constitutional rights, you have to be able to go pretty far to meet, to, 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 to meet them so that they can, in fact, be accommodated. Uh, I mean, just in your last kind of uh, sentences, you, you said two things that really resonate with me and one of the reasons why I love talking to you Michael is that you exposed me to kind of uh, the, the this conversation these constitutional conversations that I don't always get to have um, but, but you said uh, you, you spoke of accommodation um, which clearly would be important and then just just the importance of constitutional rights they are there to protect the citizenship and I'm reminded of that again um, as we look at uh, what the Department of Labor has issued, as we um, consider um, everything that you've spoken about up to now, um, are there actually guidelines and processes in place yet that uh, people can follow, that employees can follow um, as they approach their employers? Yeah, well, as I say, there are the guidelines that were issued by the department on the 28th of May. Mm. Um, the Department of Labour, that is. And so that that is true. But again, this fair accommodation of employees is a very necessary thing because it, it may well be, by the way, and the Constitutional Court has said that if you do want to limit somebody's right, you, not, you might necessarily have to pick up the cost of doing that, whatever that cost may look like. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean to be financial. Okay. It could just yes. be altering a process or a procedure or something. Mm. Um, but, you know, again, maybe it would be necessary to have a change of, of work environment to ensure that an employee who cannot or doesn't want to be vaccinated can still remain employed by the employer. And you know, that could be, which is pretty common, like working from home or possibly working in isolation in the workplace. It might even mean that that employee could be relocated if they were, say, a frontline person. Um, maybe they could be found another position within the company. And the essence of it is, of course, that government does not want employers to simply, you know, fire or get rid of employees because the unemployment situation in sure. the country is already uh, pretty desperate. 
Um, so uh, what is the process then for em employees, uh, if and employers for that matter, if an employee doesn't want to be vaccinated? Well, consultation is the key. Um, you, the employer must consult with the employee and perhaps potentially, you know, give them guidance as to where they can go to get advice or better advice or advice that maybe they haven't been taking from a health and safety representative or even a union official or an employee representative. And obviously, if the employee states the reason why they cannot be vaccinated, specifically if it is due to a medical reason, then the employer could ask for some reasonable um, you know, evidence of, of that. Um, and perhaps very much uh, importantly is, is the employer must take reasonable steps, as we've said, to accommodate the em employee in a position that would not require them to be vaccinated. So it, it is not simply a case of like my way or the highway, uh, you know, far from it. Um, it is very much a case of finding a kind of a negotiated settlement, if you like, um, but again, you know, last resort perhaps would be that if um, an employee cannot or does not want to be vaccinated, uh, perhaps they should send a written uh, a quest, request to an employer giving reasons and asking for a reasonable accommodation to be made. And if the employer is unable to perhaps accommodate them, then they obviously must be able to provide the employee with grounds why they cannot reasonably accommodate their requests. So it, it, it's going to come down, I'm pretty sure there's, it's going to come down to some litigation at some point. Um, you know, somebody's going to go wrong one way or the other, and it's going to end up, I think, in, in, in a lawsuit. We don't know of one as yet, by the way. Um, but it is very much a question of, of again, balancing the rights, mm. uh, balancing the health issues versus the constitutional rights. And again, I think the principle is, is that people should be allowed to reasonably uh, assess and to analyze their own health risk. You know, for, for instance, if you're, say, under 18, there's, as we know, just from the data, we're talking about data, uh, that, that there is very limited evidence to show that if you do catch COVID, which we know is a serious disease, but that age group has very little um, danger of literally dying from the disease. It's not unheard of but it is minimalistic. And obviously the older you get, the greater the risk that you have. And that seems to be the way that um, this virus is functioning. And we can see that simply by analyzing the data. And so therefore, you know, the more pressure you put on, say, a person who is probably not gonna suffer much from it in any event, um, in some instances, we also know that you know, children are not the high vectors of infection, which is another interesting characteristic of this. So again, we believe that, and we've always said, Follow the data, follow the science. And we say the same thing to government. We have our court cases, you know, coming up in November against the Cogta minister for the what we see, saw as unfair discrimination of the lockdown regulations. And we basically said, look, if you can show, based upon scientific data, why churches, for example, are a greater level of infection or vector of infection than, say, a casino or a, a restaurant or a, a, a cinema or what have you, then by all means do so. In other words, you have a reasonable, evident proof that that is the case. But if it's just simply something that you're doing because you just would like to do it uh, and it unfairly discriminates or it you know, fundamentally erodes somebody's constitutional or freedom rights, 
then no, you, you, you can't do that. And so, again, with the employer-employee situation, it's very much a question of, a, I think, a, a negotiated understanding and settlement, with the principle being one of reasonable accommodation of the rights of the employee. Uh, and if all else fails, then obviously there have to be some very good reasons why that isn't the case. Or alternatively, the employer may well find themselves um, the wrong side of a lawsuit. Because generally speaking, it seems that there's the CCMA and other labor courts do tend to favor employees over uh, employers. So that's probably something that employers should uh, also take into consideration. Look, absolutely fascinating conversation uh, and, and recognizing that people will come to different conclusions in terms of um, should we vaccinate or shouldn't we vaccinate, uh, uh, recognizing that. But, but ultimately, yeah, we're talking about the right to to work, the right to decide what goes into one's body and just understanding that, that, that we do need to make sure that we have um, that we are upholding our constitution wherever we possibly can because as soon as we start to er erode the freedoms that we have um, uh, well the truth is it's a short slippery slope to the next freedom that gets eroded after that um, so yeah th thanks for highlighting this and for uh, and for informing us again so well Michael really really appreciate it um, um, go and put on a jacket and prepare for a very very cold weekend down Ooh, in Cleveland. I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't just uh, uh, zoom in from 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 bed with pajamas on and uh, and three pairs of socks. I've got, <laughs> I've got the heater on. I've okay, got the heater okay. On. Well, well, well. You did. You do look really, really good for for radio this morning, brother. Um, folk might have listened into this and, and also recognizing that you guys are dealing with a lot of other issues um, on the national stage at the moment. Um, last week we spoke about the John. Uh, Kalani case, and I have seen that in the news a lot over the last uh, over the last week, uh, and recognizing that there's a lot of other issues going on in the legal spheres as they relate to the church and freedom of religion right now. And um, folk who want to connect into the conversation, who want to be more informed, uh, or who want to be informed on this particular topic, where's the best place to point them? We very much recommend people visit our website which is forsa.org.za uh, www obviously forsa.org.za or we're on facebook uh freedom of religion essay and again the most important thing as we always say is is keep yourself informed these are often issues which come about very quickly uh, Christians often wake up and wonder what happened <laughs> because they suddenly find themselves living under a legal regime or under a situation that they would never have thought they would have done. And often it's because they simply didn't get the information that they needed in a timely way. So do go to our website. You can sign up for our newsletters. Uh, you can obviously join us if you're a religious organization or even as an individual. And we can therefore have a limited mandate to represent you when we do put forward our submissions and things. But we are very much... Uh, the watchdogs, if you like, of religious freedom rights uh, in South Africa for all South Africans of all faiths. And it is so important that we protect and promote our religious freedom rights. Well, thanks for the conversation, Michael. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. God bless you. Thank you, Mark. God bless you too. Fascinating conversation, uh, just and so <laughs> contemporary uh, to the to the year now. Quinton, yeah. you and I were chatting. Um, and we were chatting about Bethesda. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just draw the listeners' attention back to the conversation and discussion today. 
um, folk, we're talking about uh, about orphan care, and in, spe- in specifically, um, we're going to be talking about a date coming up in November, where we are encouraging churches to really get involved in uh, the um, in the awareness mm-hmm. of, of orphan care in their local churches. So, so that's that's where we're heading, and and I recognise that many people on the outside uh, will likely want to either get involved in the conversation have a comment about what's going on um, or ask a question um, uh, to you and so I I do want to tell listeners how they can engage and ask questions just note that uh, Lester uh, says that the cosmos flowers in autumn uh, peach and apricot and plum trees are blooming now with pink and white flowers Lester I'm going to look out for that when I'm driving home thank you so much for that uh, bit of information Uh, Zella is listening in as well as a number of other people uh, just commenting that they are listening in uh, to the show right now um, and as I say talking on orphan care the way that you can engage with us is by whatsapping or telegramming the number 0826572729 love voice notes get those voice notes rolling in uh, you can comment on Facebook we are currently streaming to radio pulpit radio console in fact share the stream so that others can listen in on this conversation particularly those who are considering um, uh, adoption particularly those who are interested uh, in adoption and in the care of orphans and widows uh, we are going to be talking very specifically how we as local churches and as members and as pastors can get involved in this conversation over the next couple of months if you're on twitter the tweeting handle is at 657am um, I know that we are on DSTV and on OpenView and on a couple of other platforms and I do welcome you to use the various different mechanisms that I've just told you uh, to engage with us the studio line for those who would like to call in is 012-334-1322 we are looking forward to chatting with you uh, okay Sumba is following us and it is good to have you with us thank you so much uh, for dropping a hi uh, in uh, in whatsapp really appreciate that okay so we, we were talking about bethesda yeah uh, we were talking about it as an organization just some of the the key things that stuck in my head is that on the property you guys have four houses well six six homes uh, so, um, so did i say four i should have used i should have kept count on my fingers <laughs> six homes so. currently you have five filled each home has got a, a a mom and a dad looking over it um kids in the home yes. uh, there's a school on the property 200 and 60 over, over 260 260 i was going to say exactly that <laughs> exactly. number i'm glad that you finished my <laughs> sentence for, <laughs> for me um involved in uh in the um, the Christian Academy um, I, I mean a, a really exciting um, organization in terms of the six home how many kids uh, in each family unit yeah, so it, it, it varies um, okay so the, the family husband wife with their biological kids um, yes. stay in the home and then other kids get gets placed with them so we so at the moment we've got uh, 37 kids that's yeah. um that's divided between the homes wow okay um, so so i mean it's a substantial work um out here yeah. in pretoria uh, and the the age kind of range yeah, of, of kids that are there young and uh, and some of the kids have been there for years have grown up at bethesda so sure. um at the moment the bulk of our kids are uh, older older so yes. teenagers going into that transitioning phase 
um, that aging out, uh, you know, um, you know, we have to be careful not to use the word transition stage, but but really the aging out, the emancipation um, stage. So um, it's that's the bulk of our of our, of our young, young people at Bethesda at the moment. But it's from young to to old. Um. Quentin, you're involved with the organisation. I've often wondered what happens to a kid who hits 18. Um, you know, I, I you know, yeah. even in even in our church, um, in our church situation, we have uh, we have orphans, uh, we have young adults, and just yeah. just working with them, the the the, the difficulties mm. of those who don't have the kind of family structure underpinning yeah. them that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, just the real heartache and the pain that sometimes happens. But what happens as kids grow older? Yeah, Mark. Um, you know, we we always say. Um, imagine, imagine if there was no um, nothing for you to fall back onto. You know, mm. all of us. I mean, you you know, you go study somewhere and yes. you go to varsity, and you know, you mess up. You yeah. you're young, and you know, you make mistakes. You make some bad choices, and um, but you always know there's there's a there's there's somewhere that you can fall back onto. Yeah, if my parents are listening right now, <laughs> they're hearing you. They're thinking you're talking directly yep. to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, same for me. I mean, well, while, while I was a student, I still stayed at home, and yes. there was there was a place that, that I could go to. Or oh, even um, when you finish a degree, I mean, yeah. finding a job right now is not an exact yeah. science. You know, I, you know, yeah. sometimes the uh, you you need maybe yeah. you've been on res, you need to move back home and yeah. and spend some time at home while you yeah. while you find that first opportunity. Yeah. So we definitely see um, a lot of young people that that come through the, the orphan care system. Um, you know, they they often turn to um, they they struggle to get a job. They they turn to they they do turn to to alcohol abuse and sometimes they they themselves get children at a very young age and and they struggle then to look after the children and the whole cycle, cycle just keeps going. Um, and so we we we've definitely seen that pattern, um, but. But you know, God, God has amazingly also through the churches. Yes. Uh, we've seen so many people get involved, and also recently we've seen people um, provide bursaries for for young people, yes. uh, so that they can go study, and and so that we can help them transition into uh, student life, but also then later on maybe into um, be able to stay on their own or stay into com- stay in community and re- or really connect them to a church. Um, so the the biggest thing is trying to find out where where each child is and saying, you know, this child wants to study this. You know, not, not putting them all in the same box, and yeah. but really getting to know them as a child and saying, who, who who's going to go study at a at a tertiary, um, you know, um, institution or who's going to need to to find a job and and then finding the appropriate thing for them. But it's it's amazing to already see the church. Um, joining in and and saying how can we help out whether it's bursaries and, and those kind of things but we're definitely working on on our transitioning um, program um, seeking to get more churches involved and especially with that mentorship not saying three four years uh, but maybe a one year walking road with a, a, a young person and then also connecting some of those young people say for instance they find a job in um, in Benoni area, then mm. connecting them with the church to in in Benoni, so Benoni, so that they have a strong um, community there. And hey, I know a church in Benoni. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Benoni came up. So, 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 uh, so as you're talking, I mean, uh, I'm I'm just I'm hearing your emphasis on local church, and Absolutely. and I I have an I have a love, a deep love, yeah. um, for the local church. I, I really believe it is God's vehicle, yeah. um, for the propagation of the gospel into a very dark world. 
Now we're talking in the in the context of of orphan care. We we're talking in the context of kids that are vulnerable, and they're vulnerable beyond just the stage that we get them to being adults. Uh, I mean, it is difficult out there, yeah. um, and yet the church has this mandate to yeah. care for widows and orphans. In fact, yeah. that's how true religion is described yeah. uh, in the book of James. And, yeah. and really, James is, is a commentary on the Old Testament. The Old Testament flows so well uh, into the New in terms of James' summation and summary statement there. Yeah. As we think of the local church and as we think of what local churches can do I, I mean we are going to obviously talk about some of the things that Pretoria Central has done and some of the some of the some of the success that Pretoria Central has seen and some of the things that 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 members in the local church have done well in terms of the care of of orphans in particular um, but but what's your heart for the local church how, how can local churches get involved in this process uh, be, beyond just being kind of receivers of kids as they as they go out into the world yes. and and need a church in Benoni and, and 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 be welcoming of them, but 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 what are some of the ways that churches can get involved um, in in this very very real need uh, in South Africa? Yeah, um, Mark, I think the I think the big challenge is a lot of churches think as soon as you speak adoption, as yes. soon as you speak about adoption, a lot of churches and people in the church think I need to adopt a child tomorrow. But uh, getting involved in adoption is, is so much broader than just adopting. Yes. Um, uh, that's that's a key part to it, but it's not the only part. And yes. so so um, there are so many different ways that churches can get involved in adoption. And and it's it's interesting when 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 you walk a road with a church and you sit down with them and you start asking questions like. Um, you start speaking to some of the members in the church and you say, tell me in your life, how have you been involved in adoption? And they sit and they think, it's amazing how how they remember how they served in an orphan care ministry or how they've helped with funding or mentored someone. Or It's amazing to see how the church is already involved in, in, in adoption. And, and that's where we come alongside and we just say, well, how can we strengthen in what the church is already doing? Yes. Or, or a lot of times, for example, pastors feel, man, I'm. How do I start an orphan care ministry? I'm already overwhelmed. I'm already swamped with yeah. all these things, and and what we are doing is, you know, we we come alongside and we just say, but what's your church already doing? What has God already gifted your church in? So we're not asking you to start something new. Most churches already have a thriving a Sunday school ministry, and and so getting. Uh, 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 orphanage in, in the area and those kids plugged into creating that creating a safe space exactly. that is that is willing to receive and understands the particular needs yeah or a lot of churches for example al- already have a student ministry yes uh, young students who are educated who who can offer uh, math classes you know who can uh, you know offer tutoring those kind of things so you you already sit with the resources and the, and the you know people and the f- even at times financial resources yeah. to be able to do something and so um, I was sharing with Safiso from um, Open Home Africa the other, not, other day I love Safiso yeah. and Kachelo they're great, such great an couple. awesome couple yeah and so I was just sharing with them something that I read from um, Jason Johnson and another guy in, in, the, in the US that's just been an amazing encouragement to me And but but he was saying something there was uh, the, there were guys who built a university and so after building the university what they did was they um, they didn't they didn't lay the pots 
for the for the students to walk on. They just planted grass, yes. and then after a while, they they so they just let the students walk, and mm. then after a while they could see where the paths were. Yes, and so then they just came and they laid the paths where the students were walking. Yeah, so a lot of times you know the churches just need someone to come and say. Where you know where are your people already walking? Yes. And let's just lay the paths where they're already walking. So, sure. um, what I like about yeah. that approach, uh, and just in terms of the local church as well, you know, too often I think in the past we've inherited a culture where the church is very institutionalized. It it, it is an organization, and so when we think of orphan care, we think of like a very structured ministry that needs to exist. It needs to look in a certain way. It needs to yeah. act in a certain way. It needs to do certain things and achieve certain things. And if it doesn't, it's not the mercy ministry yes. or the orphan care ministry that we envisaged. Absolutely. But the reality is churches, whilst they are organizational in nature, I mean, there's clear leadership and these clear um, principles in terms of how we worship and what we do mandated in scripture. Mm -hmm. Uh, The truth is that they are really organized organisms. They are organic by nature. Um, they they have members in local yeah. churches and, and each member that constitutes the local church makes up the very particular, I nearly said peculiar because some churches are a bit peculiar um, but particular DNA of that local mm-hmm. church and so as you look yeah. at a church it is almost inevitable, I, I know that that certainly happened when, when yeah. Andrew first came through, I, 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 I had I had orphan care on my heart. Um, my wife and I were, were were thinking about the possibilities of adoption, and so we we looked at our church and we we thought, well, h- how do we help our church go through this yeah. process? And we we actually called on on Andrew, yeah. uh, and uh, and he very graciously came through to Benoni uh, and came and met with us. Um, we, we also spoke to other friends in the mm. orphan care uh, field. Uh, Joel Kirby yes, uh, yes. on the West Rand also very graciously came and spend some time with us but Andrew in particular said okay well well, let's just sit down and give some thought to yeah. to what what Crystal Park actually looks like and as we thought through it and as we started listing even the number of of of, of adoptive children in our church we were amazed yeah. that the, the church actually had a vibrant witness already in this area yeah. it's just that we hadn't recognized that or or maybe organized that yet and yeah. um and obviously there are there are massive advantages being organic in this area because people are doing it from their hearts, yeah, they're doing absolutely. it as a response to the gospel and as a response to a real desire to glorify God in their life. And then when you couple that with with some organization so that you can multiply the yeah. efforts and and give some give some focus uh, to what is already happening yeah. uh, churches can grow quite quickly in these areas yeah mark and and, and just uh, uh, to mention you know uh, a lot of times churches think it needs to be a copy and paste model of what's happening in orphan care and um uh, you know we've got uh, we know good friends and people you know andre and and guys from living hope and yes. you know they they, they, they good guys yeah good guys Victoria, as, as down well. the road yeah and and they've started baby homes and um and so and and so uh, with our church for example we've we've said um we're involved with bethesda but so so we we're saying well has god called us to start another baby home in in the community yes maybe maybe god is leading us there in the future but but what has God called us to? So, <clears throat> so we've uh, recently one of our elders adopted, 
and and through his adoption process um, Tim you know Tim yes. as well very very well in fact we, we we interacted a little bit as as he went through it I was so excited yeah. for, so excited for him yeah, yeah yes and and so 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 the, so they recently adopted and and through them adopting God has stirred up in their heart through yes. through him and his and his wife and in their heart to really want to help people going through the adoption process and mm. who struggle financially so yes. they're saying what can we do to start a fund to yes. to to help people because uh, you know the cost of yeah. of adopting you know 20 to 30 yeah. thousand rand and and the medical aid doesn't pay for that you yeah. know it's not like yeah. going yes. to labor and then the medical aid pays for it but um so god's placed that on their heart so 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 it's going to look different for each church so so we are so they're working with Bethesda to start an adoption fund and 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 so that's what God's called them to yes. and so in each church God is raising up people to to care for the orphan and it's going to look different in each church Give me, give me some examples. Uh, look, I mean, we've yeah. got about six minutes until the the top of the hour when we will yeah. cut away to a music break, and and even as I even as I frame this next question, uh, which is really going to be just give me some examples of the diversity um, that people get involved in, that members of churches get involved in, and that churches get involved in. Uh, let me just say uh, thanks to everyone <laughs> who's greeting us online. Um, uh, Tinker, um, Okert, uh, many many people just saying hi. I really appreciate that and really appreciate your guys' interaction. As you listen in on this topic, as you are hearing um, the heart of Quinton and my own heart, I hope you realize, folk, that we're talking to you. If you're a pastor listening in, I'm really hoping that you hear ways that your church can get involved in orphan care ministry. And very in particular, uh, in the second hour, when we talk about um, uh, a day in November, which has been set aside, really so that we can focus churches, uh, focus our local churches on orphan care. Uh, if you're not a pastor of a local church and you're a member of a local church, I hope you understand that you are the organism that we're talking about, that it is the members that God has set aside um, uh, who who need to be motivated. And, and as you are maybe thinking through your own heart and you realize this is an area I want to get involved in, um, I'm hoping that you hear some ways that you might partner in your local church to the glory of God uh, in this very important area. So so maybe just g- give me some ideas. What, what are some of the diverse yeah. ways that, that you have seen or that you know that uh, that ch- local churches get involved in orphan care? Sure, Mark. Um, it's, you know, it's, 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 there are there are so many ways you know i've i've heard for example of business owners who say we give the discount to families who've adopted yeah. i mean, think think of that yes. think of how many businesses can go can yes. get involved in something like a christian businessmen and women um uh, we we have had um people who are in high positions in the in the corporate space come in and offer um you know helping our young people how to do a job interview Yes. I mean, you, we don't think Excellent. of that. How yep. to help young people go through a job interview? Yep. Um, what your social media should look like? Yes. You know, um, and how companies look at that. Um, uh, we've we've had people come in and offer exercise and boxing at Bethesda. We've we've had students come give uh, give their time in, in mentoring, and and church members come in and give their time in in mentoring. We've had. Um, and then, of course, there's the giving. There, there's praying. We've had seniors from our church. Our church has got a, uh, two retirement centers. And some of our retired 
you know, the citizens, they, they like, what we, we can pray. Yes. We can pray. And, yes. and so they, they've been praying. That's, that's, that's how they've gotten involved. Um, um, I'm sure more will, will come to sure. mind, but, but those are just some of the ways we've had. I know this is someone from the U.S., for example. What they've done is they said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a garage sale. Mm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a garage sale, and all the funds are going to go to a orphanage. Yes. It's going to go to Bethesda or to whoever, one in your community. Yeah, um, yeah. there's so many different ways to get involved. Um, I, know, I know as a local church, we often become a depot for, um, for clothing. So folk yeah. that have got really good um, yeah. seconds that they're no longer wearing yeah. um, or that their kids have grown out of um, often um, bring clothing into the church. And then the church becomes... It becomes a place where we can split that up and send, you know, uh, clothing for older folk to Salvation Army yeah. or to Angel Wings or to one of the shelters uh, in Benoni. Yeah. Uh, clothing for for kids. Uh, you know, we we know where the local orphanages are in our suburb and in our city, and we can partner in that way. Other times it's been food. Other times it's been formula. Other times it's been nappies. Uh, once or twice it's been people that have just said, you know, I, I've got. X amount of time yeah. um, in my day, I, I think particularly of Shirley. Um, I've got a couple of hours in my week. I'm going to go and um, and and just give love to children that really need love. Yeah. Uh, I think of our, my own story um, with Thomas. <laughs> One of the most touching realities of the adoption process mm. was just realizing how many people had donated their time to the mm. orphanage uh, where Thomas uh, spent the first six months of his life. Um, how many how many women had mm. gone there and just held children sure. and oh. and spoken to them and mm. whispered to them and mm. read them stories mm. and, and what an influence that must have had mm. on a young child who needed yeah. to be loved yeah. uh, in those times and uh, who came into our home and then was obviously showered with love. Yeah. Um, but but what a blessing yeah. to our family that people gave of their time um, and in other cases gave of their finances and in yeah. other cases gave of their second-hand clothing, whatever it might have been um, to yeah. benefit those who were vulnerable and who needed it. We're going to come back after the break and continue this conversation. I think we're going to start to draw a direct line um, to Orphan Care Sunday, or uh, you're going to introduce uh, uh, what's going to be happening in November to us, and we're going to talk a little bit about the logistics. But in the meantime, we are going to go to a song break. We are going to hear Verona singing Just Let Go. Well, friends, you are listening to Radio Pulpit and Radio Cape Pulpit with me, Mark Penrith, your host. I join you for the second hour of Table Talk this morning. I am speaking to my friend, Quentin Saunders. He is from an organization called Bethesda, but he also represents Orphan Care Sunday, which is going to be happening in November. Now, you might think, what are we in? Are we even in September yet? Oh, we're about to turn into spring. I can't wait. Um, but <laughs> but we're, still in, we're still in August. Why are we talking already about something that's happening in November? Let me tell you why. Because you, as a listener this morning, really have an opportunity to get involved in an event which will be happening in November. Um, Orphan Care Sunday is aimed at highlighting uh, and raising awareness, particularly for orphan care in churches all across South Africa. So many churches will be involved and will be getting together in order to be having these conversations. 
And Quinton is a person who can really help you as a church get in contact with the kind of resources you need in order to make the day, the event, the weekend, however you choose to do it, um, the greatest success that it can be. So maybe you're a pastor and you're listening in and you're saying, yes, I've read the Bible. (laughs) I know as I go through the Old Testament just how important the care of widows and orphans and the foreigners in the land was. I know when I look at the person of Jesus Christ, I see compassion stamped all over the life and the work of my Lord and my Savior. Or I know as I read through the epistles, uh, the emphasis on the care of the most vulnerable within the local community, um, or even James, the direct command and statement that true religion looks like something and it looks like the Mm -hmm. care of widows and orphans. Uh, I know those things. I want to get involved in this. I want to elevate um, the status, the considerations, the care of the orphan community within the local church. Um, or maybe you're a member and you recognize that your pastor has a thousand things on his plate, a million balls in the air, um, and this is something that you would like to champion, that you would like to get involved in. Uh, maybe you need enough information so that you can go to your pastor and say, this is something I think we should get involved in and this is how we might do it. Can I help you get this off the ground? Um, well, then again, Quentin is somebody who can help you in this moment. Um, And so we're going to start to talk now about Orphan Care Sunday. Maybe as people are listening in, they want to get hold of you. They want more information. Um, How might they contact you? What's the best way uh, to get in contact with you? Yeah, Mark, the the best way is just to send me an email um, at orphancare at boi.org. Let me just repeat that to make sure that I heard it right. Orphancare at B-O-I dot O-R-G. Yes, that's Okay, perfect. got it. Okay, and yeah. I think that's pretty pretty, pretty easy. easy. We'll mention it once or twice uh, through the show. So as folk listen in, uh, if, this, if the Lord is staring your heart and you realize that this is something that you want to get involved in, this is how you might do it. And uh, just to recognize that a number of people are commenting and uh, I do see that voice notes are coming in, uh, we will be listening to those and bringing them in uh, to uh, the conversation as we go through this uh, second hour. But just to again encourage people, please do engage with us. Uh, WhatsApp and Telegram, it's 0826572729. Our studio line is 0123341322. And you can drop comments on Facebook and you can tweet. Uh, we will see those in studio um, shortly. Can you describe what, I mean, maybe someone's listening and they're going, mm. I get everything that you've spoken about. I am I'm motivated the Lord's stirring my heart I'm feeling the fire I want to get involved in this in one way or another but what on earth does Orphan Care Sunday look like for a person that's never ever seen that um, yeah. before yeah, um, maybe I can just start with where Orphan Sunday started um, so it actually started in, in Africa there was a um, there was a, a missionary who came to <coughs> to Africa and he was in a church in Zambia <clears throat> Sorry, and he was in a church in Zambia, and he just saw the the people's heart for the orphan. So he saw people bringing food and and really bringing out of their poverty, caring for the orphan. And so this this American missionary went to the U.S. and then started this uh, this movement, Orphan Sunday, um, through through CAFO Ministries. Um, 
and so that's where it started and and from then it's been 20 years that that orphan sunday has been commemorated um but to you know i've i've realized that um this is one of the best ways to 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 create awareness you mm. know that's and really that's also my role at bethesda and that's why it fits in well with um, with me being the the Orphan Sunday coordinator for South Africa is because that's what I'm already doing. Mm. Um, so the best way to to create awareness in your church is to have an Orphan Sunday. Now, now it it can look different for 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 churches. Uh, some churches, they 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 might just do a prayer and and acknowledge and say it's Orphan Sunday. There are there are different churches around the world that are um, that are. Um, um, participating in this, and they can just do a prayer for orphans. Mm. Uh, some churches have a have more of a focus. They, you know, they preach a sermon uh, directly um, connected to 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 God's heart for the orphan. And so, uh, other churches have resources available. They have a table. Mm. Um, other churches do all of that, and then a follow up meeting with people who are interested to get involved and then to hear w- how God has. Um, how God is moving them uh, as a church to to get involved. Um, so this is really the, I would say, a, a, a great place to create awareness and and really to, um, as we said, with as well, to stimulate compassion and then lead people to obedience uh, to ob- obey God's heart for for the orphan. So it's really this is the knowing part. Mm. This is the this is the head part. This is where we get exposure and and it, this is and, and then from there it moves to the the heart and the feeling and to the to the hand spot uh, that's a catalyst and, and and maybe just to talk about that exposure uh, I, yeah. you know I, I just think of our own church uh, obviously um, adoption has become a conversation topic because there are a number of adoptive parents mm. uh, in the context of Crystal Park Baptist Church um, yeah. uh, my wife and I our family is uh, is an adoptive family um, and there are a number of other families that are in the process mm. of adoption mm. and there are a number of other families that have already adopted um, when we're talking about awareness particularly of, of orphan care we recognize that the need is so great yeah. that even if even if we were adopting a crystal park left right and center we yeah. wouldn't be able to take care of the massive overwhelming flood of mm. need in our country and so we're a country of of orphans many many yeah. many orphans and and yet and yet the the love of God in our hearts, a desire to to engage with folk that are in need, folk that 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 are vulnerable, um, and and even a, a theology yeah. uh, around both the care of orphans and and identification theologically yeah. uh, with those that are in need, compel us yeah. uh, as communities to get involved in this conversation. So even beyond adoption, um, you you spoke uh, during the break about. Uh, orphan and stand Sunday and just yes. the, the the reality of the diverse types of ways that yeah. churches get involved in in the kinds of crisis that we see in our land right now yeah Mark I'm sorry just to you spoke about the need um, you know I, I mean people we throw out these numbers and it, it doesn't you know we, we say there's 130 to 150 million orphans and orphans in the world 
and it 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 sounds you know um and how do you how do you break it down to someone you know for someone it's it's really difficult to do that um and that's why we say you can't we can't adopt all those kids but we can make a difference in the life of one you know mm. um we can uh, uh, so that's that's what we can do um uh, recent statistics um i don't know if you saw the on the, one of the newspapers recently said 94,000 children um were orphaned just as a result of covid so just as a result of this the sickness um and of course there are many different reasons why uh, you know children are, are orphaned it's it's poverty and abuse and natural disasters war and all these things yeah. but sickness covid yes 94000 orphans in our country i mean you just think of that number it is a staggeringly large number yeah. uh, now we're a large com- country you know we we're way beyond now 56 million is a number that's stuck in my head from <laughs> school days but uh, but i've no doubt that we've grown substantially because of yeah. you know migration of of yeah. people and you know uh, kind of just generally populational growth um yeah. uh, but but still a, a, an additional 94000 children in need of love in need of care in need of spiritual guidance it is a staggering number yeah uh, mark um so one of the things that we uh, i remember andrew you know shared with me was the the and, and people can go google it but it's the story of moving the barn you know how to move the barn and it's yeah. this um this guy who wanted to move his barn and you know without breaking the barn and how how do you do it so um, he got all the people from the town together and they all you know, they put these beams through this barn and they all picked this bar- barn up and they walked with this barn. Um, so one person wasn't able to pick up the barn without breaking the barn. And, but, but all these people got together and they were able to pick up this huge barn. Yes. and move it. Yes. And that's this idea in, in orphan care as well. It's like we, we can't do, I mean, I can't do 94,000 children. But I can make a difference. Yes. I can do something. Yes. I can't do everything, but I can do something in caring for, uh, for the orphan. Um, so, yeah, the the need is is huge. But I, I read something um, on a, on a website recently, um, where it said that if if seven percent of the two billion professing Christians mm. adopt, mm. the orphan crisis would be resolved. I, I mean, it is staggering, and it just pulls my heart that we have solutions and too often um, we, we're not doing that which we're called to do I, I mean terribly sad yeah yeah, and, and so just to give an example and, and I know a lot of times we want to solve the world's orphan crisis problem mm. instead of looking well what's happening around us in yes. our church community um, how, how Stand Sunday started it was a, it was a bishop who, who said uh, in his church he, he said um you know, he was speaking about about foster care, and he was asking this question, not expecting an answer. But he was saying, "Who will stand with me um, to care for the vulnerable?" And this one lady stood up and she said, "She said, I'll stand, I'll stand with you." And he was a bit surprised. And then someone else in the uh, stood up and said, "I'll stand with you." And then I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. So so they got involved in. In, in caring for foster kids and they said how can we how and when I preach I want to have that kind of response just such an encouraging story yeah. <laughs> yeah, and obviously it's a you know it was definitely a, a God thing and, mm. and so we see we see so so they said well what can we do to to care for for foster kids in our community and within yes now I've forgotten the the, the, the I don't know if it's three months or three years but anyways in a space of time 
they were able to foster 36 children in their um, from from their church yes. uh, from you know incredible so 36 children and yes. and then what they they did is if, I, if I'm not mistaken they said well what we want to do is we want to make sure that there's no all, uh, that there's no child that doesn't have a home mm. we want to make sure every foster kid has a home mm. in our community yes and we want to provi- provide more families than there are foster kids yeah, yeah and they've done that in their community yes so start small so yes. start where you where you at uh, and do what you can so, exactly. So, Orphan Sunday, what might it look like? Uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I can remember how it's looked at uh, Crystal Park in the years that mm. that we've that we've engaged in this. But, but, uh, what does it look like in terms of your own experience and in mm. terms of what you've seen, uh, Dan? Yeah. Look, I mean, in in our church, um, we've uh, our eldership was on board. I mean, our pastor was on board, and. Um, was able to preach a message that Sunday that had a had an orphan focus. Um, our pastor also lived lived that out that example. You know, the, we don't always realize the example of of pastors living living that out. Our pastor himself, they've they've adopted him and his wife adopted two children. So that example has been set and has been there for the congregation for years. Yeah. Um, but but also so so there was a message preached. Um, we had people involved in different areas in 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 orphan care mm-hmm. um come and and just share a short two minutes how how they got involved so we had students sharing about how they were involved in mentoring yes we had older people share about how um they were involved in a fun day at bethesda and they were just sitting there and they were selling some stuff and they were helping out there yeah and so to to give people an example of the many different ways that you can be involved so we had that um we we also then um so we made sure that we gave something to the people you know we just make sure we we gave them a little card like for example this one that i've got with me it says the four pillars of support just ways to show people that you can get involved in tangible ways in in educational in spiritual in relational ways you know there's different ways to get involved yes. so we we gave them something yes. we let them uh, see the different ways that they could get involved and then afterwards we said if you are interested in just exploring what God is what God is calling you to do in orphan care go sign up and next Sunday we will just gather together and um, and explore and then next Sunday we got together as a group and we asked the questions for example first question was how how have you been involved in orphan care and it was amazing to see how many people were already involved incredible then after that we we said okay what 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 can god be calling us as a church to with the resources and the people that we have and it's amazing to see what what came out of that and we prayed together and um um and and so from that then COVID hit <laughs> but <laughs> so we, we didn't have our f- and, and then we had some ideas of what we could do where we could get involved different baby homes in in the city yes Bethesda is one of them but just different ways uh, that we can get involved to give our people exposure to what orphan care ministry looks like to see then where, where God is leading our church um, and from that I mean look we um, in that time one of our elders adopted um, we have someone exploring fostering at the moment yeah um, yeah get Give me a date, because now I just realized yes. we, we've been talking about this day that's coming up, and uh, I have given a month uh, yes. that it's in November. Uh, yeah. What day will Orphan Care Sunday fall on in November this year? Yeah. Yeah, it's 7th of November. The 7th, 7th of, of November. November. 
And and maybe just to mention, I think something that I've also learned and, and that someone said is you want to be careful and mark something. Um, you don't just want it, want it to have a, let's have an orphan Sunday day and great, we've ticked the box, we're done and caring yes. for the orphan. Because that can also happen in churches and yes. you know in communities. And it's an event rather yeah, than a movement. Exactly. We're a culture. It's part of what we do. This is what God has called us to yeah. as believers. And what I loved was in my in my time of meeting up with pastors and saying, do you want to maybe have an orphan Sunday or uh, or tell me how have you cared for the for the orphan, and how a lot of them said it's just been a culture of our of our church and how through faithful ex- expository preaching you know preach faithfully preaching through the word God moved in the hearts of the people as well. So mm. although we want to create awareness through orphan Sunday, we also want to say, look, it's a it's. It's 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 not just that one day. So yes. please don't make it just this one day. Yes. Well, I mean that that's helpful. Um, so in my own experience, the way that we've done it at Crystal Park is um, uh, one year we invited Andrew um, to mm. Crystal Park, uh, and he very graciously accepted. Uh, you know, knowing that there's many churches that he could have gone to, but but he came mm. to us to help us to to think through it, and mm. and 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 we did think through it. We we took a we took time during a congregational. Um, gathering um, to write down various different ways that people were involved in yeah. in in different things, um, and that really helped us as a church also to 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 realize that we were already involved. We didn't need to we didn't need to reinvent the wheel, but but the wheel itself could be aligned Absolutely. maybe a, a a little bit better. Um, another year, uh, Joel Kirby yes. um, uh, came through. And uh, yeah. and spent with us, and in both those years, the focus was really on awareness. And so, both mm-hmm. Andrew and Joel had material. Joel, I think, in particular, set up a table and and had material that was available for distribution, which was really helpful in terms of equipping people both to the need, but also to what various different organisations were doing. Mm-hmm. And in Joel's case, also gave many of the prospective. Um, adoptive parents yes. uh, opportunities yes. to make connections with an organisation, yeah. uh, either either locally or, or or a little bit further afield, sure. um, and then and then I, I I guess off the back of that, what we've seen is is more of a move amongst our people. So we've moved mm. into um, very intentional um, feeding in our in our suburb. Uh, we currently are feeding uh, 135 kids every day uh, at mm. local schools, and and at both of those schools, those are clearly the most vulnerable children mm. Um, mm. in those communities. Yeah. Um, and we have a social worker that works amongst the schools. So we've mm. got cooks, we've got social workers, and we've got members that are partnering in yeah. that. Um, but our social worker, who's on who's on staff, Google Miriam, um, just in terms of interacting with her, even yesterday, mm. recognizing um, very definitely that of those kids that are being fed, mm. some of them are in child-headed homes, yeah. and others are, are are orphans that that have been brought into family situations that are that are really really tough. I mean, really difficult mm. for everybody that's concerned and, and just trying to now figure out how to connect them with appropriate structures that can help yeah. them further um, but really it did start off um, yeah. in our context with an event because we didn't know yeah. what we were doing and so the yeah. event helped us to to bring what we were doing into sharper focus yeah. um, and for us Orphan Care Sunday which this year is on the 7th of November uh, was the day that we used yeah. 
Yeah. What are some of the what are some of the other things that churches might do? Because because it might be beyond a Sunday. You spoke about maybe gathering people or getting people to yeah. submit what they're doing. Um, I, I've you know read a little bit of the material that you yeah. shared with me. I, I know that some people will host a you know breakfast maybe on a Saturday yeah. or or have a workshop event. What are some of the other things that churches might do? Yeah, um, so, some of it's like I said we. You know, we you do firstly. I mean, obviously, you can do a breakfast together, and um, you can through that have some some dates set aside. Mm. You know, and and connect with different organisations, and so you can do a work party. Um, some people will get involved in a work party, and some people will say, "Man, this is where I need to get involved." Other and by work party, you mean go yeah, to an go, go, go to, to an organisation and, and and help maybe paint, paint a room and, or yeah, and that's what some people will feel they need to do. And uh, hands-on, hands practical. On, ex- exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a task that's needed, and it is part of the care that yeah. we can provide. Sure. Yeah. And then, and then some people give them opportunity to serve at a, at a baby home, and 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 then caring for those babies. That's where they'll be. And this is this is how God's made me. This is who I am. And and um. <laughs> and oh, so holding holding yeah, holding yeah. a baby and and that's your that's your spiritual act of service. It almost feels like cheating because holding babies yeah, is look, so, awesome. so awesome. And yet it's so necessary. Those yeah. babies need tactile love. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. <laughs> no, and and a lot of times what happens and again it's it's exposure. You, you sure through that. I mean it's it's interesting to to hear when when someone has adopted. If you, if you follow their path, where did it start? Yes. You know, it didn't start by them just immediately looking for agency and wanting to adopt. Yeah, it started with them visiting an orphanage wow. and then seeing so and serving and, yeah. and that process. And then, and and we, you know, uh, we something what we call, you know, the, the orphan care funnel. And so, mm. so you don't, not everyone, you know. So, so you make sure you give people opportunities to serve different ways, very um, low key, and 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 God is going to move people down. Uh, to the to the point where they adopt who needs to be moved you know, down you know my wife and my journey matches yeah. what you're saying now uh, both of us as children saw the godly example of our parents um, my parents fostered uh, for two years um, Liesl's mother was a social worker and they became a place of safety for young children when Liesl was young we both saw that as an example mm. uh, later when we were married um, part of our process was there was a spate of uh, abandonment um, mm. in our city and, and that was coming up in the newspaper and we, we were reading the newspaper to our daughters in the evening and just over and over again these stories were, mm. were coming up until eventually our hearts were from a from a move to mm. compassion yeah. uh, an absolute desperate need to assist in some way and our intention w- at first wasn't adoption our, our intention yeah. we thought was either a place of safety or possibly fostering um, and yeah. we reached out to the the state a social worker um, and very quickly realized that mm. no actually our, our heart was we we, we <laughs> wanted a son <laughs> we just we just hadn't realized that and, and just the desire was for, in our case for adoption yeah. but but i i do know that that that, yeah. that exposure you you're right it, it was it was a it was a journey toward yeah. that decision it wasn't an instantaneous yeah. Yeah. you wake up and uh, and have a cup of coffee and think oh yeah. wouldn't that be a nice idea yeah. no it was yeah. very intentional yeah. and 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 a realization a, a dawn of awakening Def- definitely yeah. and um yeah so 
and, and, and of course, I think you know something. A lot of times, when when people speak about um, adoption and and just getting involved, you know, there's this fear. And I've spoken to someone recently. I mean, yesterday, just a lot of times, there's this fear of wanting to get involved because yes. it's 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 not easy to be involved in orphan care as well because. A lot of times there's the thinking of Ooh, it's gonna it's gonna hurt and it's gonna it's gonna be sacrificial and it's gonna be costly and yes. it's um and it is. Yeah. And it I is. was gonna say uh, don't don't say it's, yeah, not. it's uh, not. No so, false so, no false so, expectations. Yeah, so this is gonna take all of you. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And, and that's what makes it wonderful. <laughs> exactly. And, and and it's 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 so and, and I think it's it's like someone uh, I think uh, spoke to, to someone and um don't wanna mention the name but I they 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 fostered a, a little girl and they took the girl into their home and and I, with me just starting out in, in in reading more about orphan care and yes. fostering i said to the person i said yo i'll never i'll never be able to do that because you know i would get too attached you know i will i'll just it'll break my heart and i just remember them looking at me and saying we also get attached yeah <laughs> it also breaks our heart to think that we have to let this child go yeah. You know, we might have to bring this child in, give this child this unconditional love, love them like our own children, yes. and then in two years, three years, four years, send them off. Yeah. Some of it, some of those children, you might not see again. Yes. You might not be allowed to contact them. And I was like, I'd never be able to do that because it's too hard for me. And they were saying, it's hard for us as well. Of course. And it's going to be hard for us and it's going to be sacrificial. But we are willing to make that sacrifice now, because that child needs a place of safety now. So we are we are we are willing to to make that sacrifice, and it's going to be costly to us, so that we can provide this love for for this child now. Yes. And I just thought, you know, isn't oh, that the, the gospel? I was going to say, isn't that the gospel? Isn't exactly. just this, this idea of laying down your life yeah. that another might see the love of Christ in you and hear of the love of Christ. What a wonderful yeah. opportunity. Yeah, and, and when, when they did leave the child, I mean it was I mean I could see just their hearts just I mean it it was it, it really broke their hearts and tears flow and sure. and they say it it can be like a grieving process and I don't wanna uh, but I want people to also see the reality of what's happening. But yes. you know when you when you get into fostering and, and but so it it, it's costly, but remember what Christ did. That's that's what motivates us. It's the love of Christ that compels us to do this. Yes. It, it doesn't make sense to the world. Um, it doesn't make sense to other people. Um, but but the gospel yes. <laughs> is it, it compels us. It exactly. moves us. And it lo- the gospel in our lives looks like something. Yeah. That's that's yeah. Christ's point when he yeah. speaks of, you know, you will know them by their fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. Yeah. Um, it's James's point when he says the 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 gospel religion, true yeah. religion. It looks like something. Yeah. It behaves like something. It does yeah. something. What does it do? Well, one of the things that it do that it yeah. does is it takes care of those who can't take care of themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, pastor, listening in. Uh, l- let me just say, guys, um, that the seventh of November, whilst it might feel a little bit far down the track, you've only got September and October ahead of you, and, and that Sunday is rushing in. It's the yeah. <laughs> first Sunday of November. 
if you are a pastor and you for instance are in a church where you need to speak to leadership before you introduce an activity during your Sunday worship maybe you need to speak to elders maybe you're a single pastor and you've got a diaconate which you need to engage with um, maybe you are an Anglican brother and you need to speak to your parish council or maybe you are a Presbyterian and uh, and you need to speak to to your Oh, I'm going to go with council as well. <laughs> um, whatever you might be, uh, you know, if if you need to speak to some leadership before you engage in this process, now would be the time to have those conversations. Um, if you're a pastor and let's, for instance, say that uh, you like listening to this and you're thinking, what's the best way to shepherd my people? What's the best way to pastor my people toward um, understanding the needs of orphans and the the great need in our country and maybe you come to the conclusion that that you need to preach on this topic well friend now would be this time to start prepping what passage you might prep uh, that, that you might need to prepare um, now might be the time to start looking at passages in scripture uh, you, you want to give yourself a little bit of a ramp up I, I mean you, you don't want to wait until the first of November um, and, and then kind of uh, try and figure out how you might approach this um, but if you're a pastor and you're going, oh, okay, I want, I'd like to make this more than an event. Uh, you know, mm. I, maybe I am going to preach a sermon. Maybe I'm not. Uh, I certainly do need to speak to my leadership and uh, and and get their buy-in here. But but maybe you want to involve involve a couple of other people in this uh, in this process. Maybe on the day you'd like the corporate prayers to reflect both our adoration of God um, uh, who has adopted us into his mm. family um, maybe you want our prayers to reflect a confession that we haven't always um, taken care of the needs of, uh, of the orphan thanksgiving when we have and supplication for the great need that we see before us uh, and a supplication a, a request to God that he would move our hearts uh, in these areas maybe you want to pray that and you want to prepare for that or maybe you want somebody else in your church to to lift up those kinds of pastoral prayers um you want to give them time to prepare for that maybe you want to get folk involved in your congregation your mm. community uh, involved in that sunday maybe you want to speak to a couple of the social workers in your mm. church i know for me i, I it was so interesting when i first spoke started talking about an orphan care Sunday um, I didn't realize that we already had four social workers you know Gogo mm. Hannah and Gogo Julia and Gogo yeah. Dora and Gogo uh, Miriam we're all social workers or auxiliary social workers uh, in our church community M maybe you want to figure out who's already involved in these kinds of areas so that they can very briefly either give a testimony or tell their story uh, on a Sunday um, maybe you want to even now uh, speak to parents who have adopted or parents who are fostering or families that you know are fostering in order to both prepare them for the fact that this Sunday is coming up and to ask them if they would like to tell their stories maybe they want to tell their stories maybe they don't and yeah. so yeah, you, you don't want to yeah. you don't want to you don't want to have their conversation for them or, yeah, or, or yeah. tell their story on their behalf you know yeah. you you, you want to be as sensitive as you possibly can as you come to to these conversations uh, there's a lot of work which can go into this and you mm. might 
want to be guided through this process uh, can I just ask Quentin if you wouldn't mind just dropping your email address yeah. again just so that you know some of what we've spoken about you've actually you've actually bought all of that information the kinds of ideas that we've spoken about you've bought it into uh, and consolidated it uh, in, into ways that can be disseminated to churches and you have resources that are online that you yeah. can pass to people um, how can people get hold of you if they want to continue this conversation and get some ideas uh, for the 7th of November yeah um, they can just send me an email at orphancare at boi.org it was the BOI that I forgot but that would be Bethesda International um, Outreach International yeah, let's Bethesda go Bethesda Outreach International BOI BOI dot Dot org. Dot org for dot organization. Org. And it's Orphan Care in specific. Orphan Care. So orphan orphan care, care at, at boi.org. Okay. And, and also, I mean, just to... Um, people can go to the to the CAFO website and, and just click on, on, on Orphan Sunday. So it's CAFO.org and then Orphan Sunday. And then you, you can do a check-in. Um, if you check in on, 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 the, on the map there... Um, you'll also get access to lots of resources from previous years CAFO conferences. CAFO yes. uh, stands for Christian Alliance for Orphans. Helpful. And so you'll get yeah. lots of resources there. But please send me an email. Um, this is what I do. I connect with churches, leaders, and to, to equip and encourage them uh, in orphan care. Excellent. Just recognizing that many of the listeners aren't pastors. I mean, yeah. we, we have a yeah. lot of pastors that are listening in, and I'm they busy. are right now highly motivated. Preparing. To, yeah, <laughs> busy preparing and listening in the background. Um, but, 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 but let's say that the majority of them are, are highly motivated. They're listening to this. they bought in. they like, ah, oh, we're going to do this. That actually makes sense. And they can mm. see the advantages to their community of adopting a heart which matches that of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an easy sell uh, to a pastor because he yep. gets it and he's reading his Bible and he can just see it stamped all over the pages of God's Word. But many of the listeners will be will be church members. Mm. So if you're a member, a church member that's listening this morning, and you're like, "Wow, that makes sense." I, I don't know if, as a church, we're we're acknowledging Orphan Care Sunday. I, I don't know as a church if we're really involved in these areas. But but as you're listening, your heart has been moved. What are some of the things that a member can do um, to help their local church move in this direction? Um, yeah. Obviously, recognizing that that they might not be in leadership. What mm. what are some of the steps that they can take uh, in order to to begin this process? Yeah, um, definitely exposure. Put yourself out there. Put yourself in in the way of the orphan or those who are involved in orphan. So that's one. But then also, you know, a lot of people, I and mean, you know, Mark is a pastor. A lot of people have great ideas. I'm also a great idea guy, you know, ideas guy, and I'm sure our pastors uh, <laughs> tired of of me with all my ideas. But 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 those people can be draining. But if you have something that God has called you to, and you feel like I want to get involved, and you want to maybe present something to the leadership, make sure that you've done a bit of the work and come to the leadership and mm. say and say, this is what I've worked on. This is where I've already been involved. How can we make this a bit more? Um, you know, how can we make this something from our church a, a bit more for, formal or something? You know, so you come with something that you've already done uh, and not just the idea. 
That's absolutely excellent. I, I mean, just as a pastor, I, I know that when somebody comes to me and says, oh, we really should get involved in ABC, yeah. you know, sometimes you go, you nod your head and say, well, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, we figure out how, you know, how are yeah. you involved in ABC? <laughs> and it yeah. turns out the person, you know, just, you know, just kind of got idea. on the wind came up with an idea and and thought that the pastor would be the best person to hear it but when a person comes forward and says hey listen yeah um orphan care sunday is coming up on the 7th of november and it might be a great idea to include that in the weekend i'd Mm. love to host a tea at my house and talk about orphan care or you know i i know that uh that Gogo Julia um, is a social worker. Yeah. You know, maybe even just before the service for three minutes, could she just talk about the needs uh, of orphan families in our church? Or um, could we do a collection? Could we partner with, uh, um, I don't know, Tiny Hands or Little Feet, the the, the local orphanage in our, in our suburb? Could 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 we maybe do a do a collection or or a food drive or a nappy yeah. drive or a formula drive or could we could we include orphan care in our prayers or might it be a good idea if if you come to your pastor with a couple of ideas things that are are built with your church community in mind. That might be a great way of opening yeah. the conversation. Yeah, Mark, and you know we've got some just some great books that I've some some great books that I've read recently. And Andrew, you know, Andrew's was really good in in giving good resources out. Um, but one book um, uh, that I read was a book from Daniel J. Bennett called "A Passion for the Fatherless." Now mm. that book. I'd really open up my my eyes to to orphan care. So um, that's one book, and then also this book. Um, I mean, you know this book well, Orphanology, uh, from Tony Merida and uh, Rick Morton. I think I'm saying that right, Merida. Or, or <laughs> anyways, um, but but this book, Orphanology. Um, another thing that you can do is read the book with a group of people, maybe mm. with your Bible study, and uh, and do the study together. So again, yes. uh, when you when you come to the to the leadership. You know, there's already a couple of people that's been on this journey and ideas and people. Um, yeah, so I, w- I would definitely recommend those those two books. And maybe just say, uh, church members and church pastors, Bible study leaders and, and, and others, a great way to do discipleship in the context of small groups is to read a book together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and when I say read a book, I, I'm not talking about rubbish. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, you know, go out, do, do a little bit of homework, find a good book. Yeah. In actual fact, if you had to go to www, this is the longest URL in the world, but if you had to just type in Crystal Park Baptist Church Space Resources and hit enter, um, we actually list a number of the, the kinds of books that have made a big impact, particularly in small group study and I'll even go and, and add a couple more uh, today mm-hmm. um, and I'll certainly add uh, some orphan resources uh, which uh, which uh, which we've spoken about uh, today uh, to that list but mm-hmm. reading a book together is a great way of discipling because different people are different places different people uh, get information in in different ways mm-hmm. um, but if you're gathering together you know once a week on a Saturday or on a Wednesday evening or whatever it might be and you take an entire week to read a chapter of a book most people can cover that over the course of a week at whatever pace they need to access the content when you get together and you talk around it that's all the fun that's that's the that's the joy because now all of a sudden you're not talking out of your ignorance 
everyone in the room has something to contribute because you're you're talking out of a, a level of exposure and a level of knowledge um and so a good book on orphan care um is a great way to go and i certainly also can uh, commend orphanology yeah. yeah and it's a great title yeah. as far as titles yeah. go yeah. it is really a good title um, it's, a, it's it's great and, and you know mark um the you know, I said it to a group of pastors recently. I've never met anyone who got involved in orphan care that were worse off. You know, in the in in, in the sense yes. that if you if you get the gospel, you get orphan care. If you get orphan care, you get the gospel. In the sense that if you if you understand what orphan care is about, you understand the gospel. Yes. And, and so, and 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 you know that work that God does in in your hearts. You know, yeah. The, the, your church is better. Can I, can I draw a direct line yeah. quickly between the gospel and orphan care? Because that would be a great opportunity yeah. to present the gospel. And in actual fact, may, maybe yeah. you, I mean, we can talk through this together. Yeah. But the gospel is this: you have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. Yeah. God is holy; He is separated from sin, and therefore He is separated from all man. Because through one man, sin has come to all men. Mm. In truth, there was a time where God. Was certainly not my father. Where my father, biblically speaking, and I'm thinking of Ephesians chapter mm-hmm. two here, um, my father was the devil, the prince of this world, um, the father of the sons of disobedience, um, and I was in trespasses and sins, alienated from God. All of this is very biblical language, mm-hmm. but then. Jesus steps into the mm-hmm. picture. He came into this world. He lived the life I couldn't live. He died a death which was a sacrifice, a substitute for my sin. He died in my place on a cross that I might live. The call of my life was to repent, to turn away from my love for this world and my love for sin and to put my faith and my trust on Jesus Christ. And at that moment, that point of regeneration, that point of being made alive, not only was I given life, not only was I given the Spirit, not only was I given Jesus, not only was I given all of these great and glorious um, blessings from God, but in addition, I was made a son of the Most High. Jesus Christ became my, uh, my older brother and God became my father. I was born again into a new family a family of God the most remarkable thing about the gospel is once me who was an orphan dead in my trespasses and sins and is now seated at the table of yeah. Almighty God with an inheritance, yeah. <laughs> um, a future inheritance, a, an heir of the kingdom, a, a, a glorious future which awaits me. Mm. Um, there is a direct correlation in terms of language mm. um, between the gospel uh, and orphanology. Mm. Uh, and then in experience, in terms of, well, what does salvation look like on this side of the cross? Well, part of it looks like taking care of those who are most vulnerable. These are good works that have been prepared for us even before the foundation of the world. Um, and so um, it is right to talk yeah. about orphan care in the context of the gospel for those reasons. Yeah. I mean, just, just behold what love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. <laughs> just and, what a and, wonderful and verse. It's, and it's not just, you know, it's, it's not just like we were this level, even lovable children. We were enemies. And, yes. and he did that for us and he took us into his family. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and uh, something that, and maybe this is just, maybe there are some listeners out there that's been adopted as well. Yes. Maybe there are some Christians as well that are struggling in their faith and, and your relationship with God as Father. Just something for you to also remember is that, 
God doesn't just save you and then puts up with you. Yeah. He saves you and he loves you. You know. <laughs> Your God is for you. He yes. he has a father heart like no other father, yeah. you know. He genuinely loves you more than you can even imagine, you know. I love that. And uh, so so many times I, I I you know I see children that's been adopted and they really struggle to understand how their parents can love them mm. the same way that they love their other their, their biological children. And mm. I look at it and I'm like, I know your parents they love you more than you can imagine and yes. maybe maybe you just need to convince be convinced this morning again of God the Father's love for you. Yes. He loves you more than you can even imagine. He is for you. You know, he doesn't just brings you into the family and then you in the corner. He gives you all the privileges, all the rights of yeah. of, a, of a child. Ah, it's beautiful. And, and and just to remember that, you know, um and that's your identity is you're a child of God. Um <sighs> You can never be, I think that's the thing as well, we think, and then again we fall into this trap of trying to earn God's favor, we try to earn His love, mm. but but you can never be loved anymore. You will never be loved any less than God loves you because of your faith in Jesus Christ yes. and your position in Him. Yes. So I think that's just that reminder of your identity is in Christ. Yeah. Um, so and, yeah. and just the intentionality of God God didn't choose you because you were worthy God chose you because of Jesus And he did it as an intentional action He chose to lavish his yeah. unmerited love upon you yeah. in abundance um, you, you know, yeah. as, as human fathers We are, we are shadows um, of, yeah. of our father yeah. um, you, you know, created in his image um, and and I just think having gone through the process of adoption myself, um, having gone through that process and having Thomas as my son, my <laughs> heir, he 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 holds the Penrith name. He bears my grandfather's name and yeah. and Liesel's grandfather's name uh, as his first and his second names. <laughs> uh, adoption for us as humans was such an intentional exercise. It's not like somebody came around to our house and said, "Hey, there's a great need. Would you?" Would you would you take Thomas? No, this was a multi-month process. Mm. We came to the realization that we wanted to adopt. We mm. we entered into that process. That took months. We went through all the 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 doctors' appointments yeah. and the social visits and the, uh, this was an intentional process. We waited for months until a match was made. Once the match was made and we 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 met Thomas. I mean, for us, <laughs> the the bond with him was was. <laughs> was in the room i mean we were like bawling our eyes out and it was just like i mean we were i mean we were crying before we even got to the room <laughs> we were just so excited to meet our son but even mm. after that point after this love connection with mm. this little baby that we're holding in our arms we still had to w go and visit him you know drive across the city for two mm. weeks every single day uh, to go and visit him we we, we had to go to court uh, more than once you know we mm. had to go to home affairs and get names this was an intentional mm. and I said multi-month but it was a, a multi-year process mm. just to adopt Thomas mm. it didn't happen by accident mm. and now we think of God mm. scripture reveals that before the foundation of the world yeah. the plan was made that Jesus would yeah. die that we would live mm. God intentionally um, with all of his knowledge mm. predestined and planned the yeah. adoption of many sons and daughters mm. through his son Jesus Christ who is Lord mm. and Savior 
it is such an intentional act it is such a beautiful act it is such it is the ultimate altruistic um act of benevolence that god does ultimately for his own glory that his name might be magnified and so as we think of our own adoption mm-hmm. and as our hearts are, are, are drawn to this grave need that we see around us, isn't it, doesn't it make sense that we would be moved with the same intentionality and compassion mm-hmm. of God in our hearts? Absolutely, Mark. Yeah, yeah that's it. Well, we're coming close to the, uh, to the turn of the hour. And uh, I, you know, just just aware that sometimes the conversation happens <laughs> and it goes through twists and turns and uphills and down into valleys. And um, you know, we've been talking for two hours. Mm. Are there is there either any specific areas that you would like us to address in the last few minutes that we have, mm. or any areas that are so important you want to underline them so that we mm. we make sure that we walk away from this conversation w- with the with the key points. Yeah, Mark, just the. Do something, you know. You can't do everything. Just do something. Yes. Get involved. I think that's that's basic. And also remember that you know the enemy walks around. You know, Satan walks around like a roaring lion. You know, also seeking to to destroy and and work against what God is doing and uh, what God's people are doing. Pray, pray for orphan care ministries and yes. and people who, you know, government departments and all these. You know, a lot of. Pray for that as well to go smooth and um, for God to be glorified even through that. I mm-hmm. think that's what we we can pray for. But yeah, I think that just that do something, even if it doesn't matter how small it is or how small you think it is. And it's like Jason Johnson said, for example, he says, "You're not just providing a meal for a family who adopted. It's not just a meal. Yes. You are making a difference. You yeah. are you are doing something great yes. in, in 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 God's eyes. Um, so oh, excellent. Yeah. Um. As we as we now come to the close of the show, uh, maybe one more opportunity. Uh, if you are a member of a local church, or yeah. if you are a pastor of a local church, you've listened to what we've said. You've gone yes. The seventh of November. Orphan Sunday or Orphan Care Sunday or Orphan and Stand Sunday, uh, you've said, yes, this is something that I want to get involved in, but I need some resources. I need a little bit of help. Um, please just uh, give me some information. Uh, what would be the best way of getting in contact with you? Best way is email um, orphancare at boi.org, and I'll get all the resources that you need to you. Okay, excellent. Uh, and and then also just uh, resources that we've spoken about on the show. We are good places to people t- to go if they're looking for a little bit more information. Yeah, I mean, even on our Bethesda Outreach website, so you can just Google Bethesda Outreach Ministries, you'll go to our website, we've got a resource page, and there's excellent. tons of resources on there, books, yes. lots of resources, Helpful. and then also CAFO, yes. Christian Alliance for Orphans, but go to Bethesda Outreach. Cool. Bethesda Outreach, um, and that is also a .org website. But Google it, and it'll come Bethesda up. Bethesda Outreach Google Ministries. Google will yeah. get you there. Google will get you there. <laughs> Sorry, I should know that. <laughs> okay, great stuff. Um, well, folk, uh, you've been listening into a, uh, a a show today, which is obviously close to my own heart, uh, and the desire would be that folk are moved. 
um, to act. They moved to act and that we would see churches all over South Africa right. and even abroad because the lit- the listenership is quite large um, in terms of uh, up into Africa and yeah. even beyond, um, that we would hear of yeah. churches all over the place um, running orphan care workshops over the next, uh, um, uh, 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 as we approach the 7th of November and uh, would encourage you to reach out um, to Quinton um, and his uh, email address is orphancare at bor dot org um, looking forward to that friends our prayers go out to all the elders and deacons who hold the line in local churches as well as to our missionaries who serve in foreign fields thinking particularly of missionaries local churches pastors and uh, Christians uh, in war-torn uh, areas um, over this last week our prayers for and much respect go to first responders in our own country police our defense force all of those who dispense justice our firefighters paramedics our nations nurses and medical personnel as well as correctional service officers um, all of who hold the line um, in our communities we do thank you for that and our, and we pray specifically for you you've been listening this morning to table talk with me mark your host uh, we're going to be going to news shortly and so until next week friday i encourage you to walk wisely live holy and testify zealously god bless you <laughs>